Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sportland Training and Fitness Sports Talks Podcast, the people behind the posts. Now, constantly, over the last two or three years, all we've heard of is what people are doing in their day-to-day life, in the gym, in their business, and everyone's coming up pretty much with the same things. And you know what? I'm a little bit bored of that. So what I'm here to do is to find out the reasons why people are doing what they're doing. Find out what has scared them. Find out what's put them outside their comfort zone. Find out really what makes them tick because that's where the magic happens. That's what's exciting and that's what's going to help you and it's going to help me push forward in our careers. And you know what? Just have a little bit of a conversation as well while we're at it because at the end of the day, I listen to these in my car. I want to be entertained. So maybe I can help entertain you. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Talks podcast. I am your host, Sam Portland, and this is Understanding People Behind the Posts. Now, I'd just like to extend a massive thank you to all those comments that I've received based on the last couple of podcasts that I've had. Buddy Morris and Jeff Moyer, they do attract good crowds, and, and it's great to hear your uh, your your comments and, and your uh, kind words about the podcast. I, I am trying to do something a little bit different and very conversational style, and especially with Buddy, it was great to try and take him down a path that he wouldn't necessarily go through if you've seen a lot of his presentations, etc. And, and, I mean, Jeff is a great guy. Obviously, the first time I'd met him and spoke to him, and uh, we just we just went off on one, and it was good. It was really good fun. Um so, you know, if you if you want to jump on a show with me, just let me know. I'm I'm very open to having whoever on this show and guests. There's no, there's no real elitist environment or selection process to this. If you've got something to say, then it's then it's cool that we that we can have a place to talk about it. Um uh, now to the day, today to today's episode. Excuse me. We have Joanne Batten now, I met Joe about 10 years ago or so when I first qualified as a personal trainer. She was on the same course as me. And um, through the wonders of social media, sort of not really well, loosely kept in touch, but being able to see each other's progressions in the industry. Now, Joanne, she works in the movie industry and has had an extensive background in doing extras work. She now stunt doubles recent appearances in Annihilation, um, and she talks about a couple of other movies that she's been in with Guy Ritchie and Bits and Pieces, and uh, her most recent work was uh, being the actor trainer for the two lead roles of uh, the upcoming movie Aladdin, which is fantastic, and I thought it was quite interesting, and I wanted to get her on the show to discuss that, because understanding schedules, stress etc and how to prepare people is um is very transferable and if your sort of ideology of that is meets with people in different realms of professions um then then i think you could be onto something so it was a good episode i learned a lot more about her than i thought we ended up talking about monks for a long long time and it's very interesting for me silent retreats and a few other bits and pieces um so I hope you really enjoy the show. Let me know, rate it, share it, whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, you know the choice is yours. Enjoy. The reason why I started it mm-hmm. was that, like, 
I wanted to create a podcast that I would want to listen to. Yeah. So, was it Tarantino? He makes. What is he? I like a film reference. Go on. Yeah. So Tarantino said because he makes two completely contrasting types of films, doesn't he? And and he makes so he makes. He said something like it. He makes films that. So when he referred to Kill Bill, I think he, he made films that Kill Bill would want to watch. Okay. And vice versa. Okay. So it's like, so I thought, do you know what? I think I should apply that principle to my podcast. And um, what do you like to listen to? What What are your What are your things? Well, I hate I hate Q and A because if you yeah. if you like obviously you've listened to podcasts now for a little while, and um, the long form interview yeah is what a podcast is but people try and use short form interview techniques in a long medium it doesn't make sense and it doesn't it doesn't listen well yeah no No. so that's why obviously like joe rogan is one of the best if not the best yeah but he's been doing it for so long now he's got it down to a t like i'm sure the earlier ones weren't as good but i haven't listened to those so no so i mean like I mean, I only picked him up at 700. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's just he's just a very good conversationalist, if that's the word. Yeah, and he's like, he, he's, he's a, like, his intrigue is what makes it good because he wants to learn. Yeah, he's like a little puppy. I love listening to his podcast. He's like a little puppy. He's like a little child. Um, he's so enthusiastic. He's just... Yeah, he's present, he's there, he wants to know, he wants to learn, he doesn't override anybody, he's, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Have you listened to the podcast that he, where he mediates? No. So there's one with, there's, there's three of them on, and they're, they're talking about ancient ruins and mm-hmm. early civilization, and he mediates between all three of them. He's like literally the parent in it. It is brilliant. It's in the nine hundreds. <laughs> I can't remember what one it is, but it's actually really, really good. And they just like going at each other. Yeah, and it's all like an, it's a real like academic conversation. But they just get. He has to like say now, come on, let him say his piece, and then you can have your turn because they all just get so into it. It's really good. Like, I'm I'm trying to queue up a good round table um, of coaches on mine, which could be quite interesting that'll be interesting. that'll be very interesting you've yeah. got to get in the mix you've got to get in the mix right though um, yeah. yeah yeah there's like i mean you're you're a first so obviously you're the first person that's involved in movies mm-hmm. in the movie world and now you are the first uh figure champion so congratulations well you say figure master's bikini let's get let's get the the title correct okay here. sorry <laughs> it's very it's very important I and it, it, it actually is because it will upset other people because okay. I refer to myself as, as the figure of fitness because the different classes and, different, okay, and yeah, yeah. divisions are very they're very different they're very separate so my particular uh, uh, category being master's bikini is um, is my category yeah okay happy days, happy days. <laughs> so, yeah so we've uh, we've had um, who have we had we've had loads of strength and conditioning coaches We've had, uh, who have we had? We've had an Olympian on. Oh, who was that? Uh, Jack Green. Yep. Uh, we've had him on. We've had a uh, social worker. 
um, which was really interesting because the tagline for my podcast is understanding people behind the posts. So yeah. it's a big reference to the fact that the portrayal of perfection in social media um, to give you know an idea of everything's fine, everything's rosy, and really it's like, well, you just have this conversation. Let's let's actually understand what's going on and. Hey. Let's dig a little bit and see what's yeah. going on. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the rise of the fucktard of social media is um, is ever present and it's uh, it's painful. So you know, for a, for a medium that's created to let people give an insight to who they are and display who they are is compounded by social standards and expectation, and the pressure of that then has an effect on douchebaggery basically <laughs> yeah completely and it's it's a really difficult one because it's a love-hate thing and it's difficult not to get caught up sometimes in that rhythm and wave of yeah oh, massively. Uh, yeah trying to like present that on social media and yeah. and trying to keep it real and oh yeah it's um it's a minefield definitely so actually like now that we're about seven minutes in um welcome to the show Oh yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joan Batten, uh, Jojo. Who? Um, what well, I've known you for quite a while now. For quite a while. Yeah. When did we do the course? Um, two thousand nine. It's ten years. Well remembered. Almost wow. ten years. Almost ten. Because I only remember it. Oh, no, it was 2010, because I broke my leg the year before. No. No, it wasn't. I'm completely wrong there. It's 2008, so it is 10 years. 2008. So 10, 10 years. It's actually 10 years. 10 years. It feels that longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, lot's ha- a lot happens in a decade. A lot, a lot can happen in a decade, and a lot has happened in a decade. It's been, it's been a journey, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's like partly that's why I had to thank social media for obviously to see what over the last sort of eighteen months I've really noticed in you and your journey has been very yeah. interesting, especially with the if I get it right, master bikini. Correct. That's well done. But then also, I know that you have a, a, a background, a long background in health and fitness, and also working in the movie industry. So, currently yeah. training. You've been training actors on um, films and stuff, but it didn't all start that way. It didn't all start that way. No, it seems like um, everyone's kind of like seeing what I'm doing now, and it seems like I've like had this sudden accelerated spurt of, uh, of action and, and stuff going on, but it's been a very long, slow, gradual process. A lot of hard work, a lot of hours, um, all the stuff that people don't see that goes on behind the scenes, you know, yeah. you get difficult. Oh, you're so lucky. You're so yeah. lucky doing what you do, being in the film industry. And um, it's like, yeah, but no, I did what my arse off to get to kind of the point that I am at now and a lot of people didn't see that background work that went into it all um so yeah to get how do I kind of get it into a nutshell um the film well I've been involved in the film world for probably 50 actually 15 years yeah um and I started off doing the very lowest of the low in terms of (laughs) 
the film industry doing background work. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> builds up character. Which <laughs> that's what I like to call it. it it's um, uh, it was good stomping ground. It was good learning ground. It was good. I made the most of it. You can kind of, you can make the most of any situation in life. Yeah. Um, and I think what that's kind of what I tend to do. And what I did was just made the most of that time as a background artist, being on film sets, being around the kind of people that I was um, surrounded by um, and just talk to everybody and networked the fuck out of it. Like, you know, I just talked to everybody um, and then started to, do more and more um i started to get kind of body doubling works that we call it standing work in the film yeah. industry um and got to kind of speak to people higher up in the echelons as you go um more kind of first assistant directors um just more and more important people in the industry um and it was a very gradual process, but because of my background in dance, martial arts, uh, and all the physical skills that I had, it was kind of a natural progression mm-hmm. to then get involved in the stunt side of things, yeah. um, get involved in the training side of things. And it was just kind of like discussions that would go on, you know, behind the scenes on set with people, um, you know, that they'd kind of, I'd pick their interest with all the stuff that I was doing, and they'd ask questions, and it'd be like, oh, so you know, how do you, you know, would you fancy having a go at this? Would you be able to do this? And I'm always kind of up for a challenge, up for doing something different. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it all evolved, really. Um, but, yeah, it didn't just happen like yeah. that. It, it, was, <laughs> it was definitely a lot of work that went into it. <laughs> not, not an uncommon story of how people become successful. Yeah. Like, say yes a lot. And back yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes, a lot. Put the work in. It's like, I think, I think both Brad Pitt and George Clooney started off as background artists. Um, so there's hope. There's hope for everyone. There's hope for everyone. All you background artists out there, it can be done, but it doesn't come through no effort from yourself. Like yeah. you can't just turn up and expect this door to open for you it just doesn't work like that i have so many people um messaging me um funny enough i've had a lot in the past week it's funny we're talking about it now on instagram um saying oh how do do i get into it how Mm. you know how did you do it how do i get into it um can you help me would you be able to get you know people wanting in and it's like not really as simple as that it's kind of like um I, i think my I'm not to blame it on trumpet but it was a it was a unique uh kind of thing for me just with the particular background that I've got with dance and all the stuff that I've done and it's not it's not always as simple as that um and yeah it just takes work and it takes a certain type of personality I think in the film world as well you need to be very tough skin very thick yeah. skin because um you're gonna come up against a lot of uh challenges yeah yeah you got any stories on that <laughs> that i can share <laughs> yeah it's, don't don't worry it's just you and me talking <laughs> yeah but this is a podcast so it's <laughs> as that is it i'm, I'm gonna be fooled into that trickery um 
I'm going to save my stories for the autobiography that I'll be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They just sell out everyone. But yeah, I built up a, a nice catalogue of uh, gossipy stories, but that's for another time. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. So if we if we kind of you know, think about that in terms of you know where where you started, you had quite a, a relatively broad skill set for the industry. Like you said, you could do martial arts dancing um and then obviously you progressed into the stand-in stuff like how how old were you when you started martial arts and like what martial arts were you doing okay so the martial arts kind of phase of my life um when i was 25 i believe it was um i took myself off to china um i've done a lot of random traveling in my life uh like the best education I've ever given myself. Um, so yeah, I kind of put my big backpack on my back, um, flew into Shanghai in a vest and shorts that was minus 20 degrees. (laughs) 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 I'd just been in Australia. I'd spent a couple of months in Australia seeing my family. Um, and just kind of like off the cuff, but this flight thought, right, I'll go, I'll go to China next. Um, didn't, look into it at all I hadn't even had any accommodation booked I was so lucky on the flight I was luckily sat next to this girl who um who helped me out and took me under a wing because I didn't know what I was doing (laughs) it was minus 20 um I didn't have any accommodation booked and she took me off to the hostel that she was staying at so she kind of got me up on my feet and up and running um but I stayed in Shanghai for a couple of weeks and then I went over to Beijing and I enrolled myself into a course there which is for foreign students to learn martial arts it's the Beijing University of Physical Education Um, and they do these kind of terms where uh, foreign students can go and um, train with the the uh, native Chinese students for however long You, you can do I think the minimum minimum you can do is three months so I did three months there um uh doing all sorts of different martial arts from tai chi to uh mixed stars kickboxing um chinese boxing um all different different styles um so yeah so i so beijing university for a few months and then i kind of traveled around china i got tips along the way you kind of it's one of those journeys that kind of evolved um people would tell me oh you need to go here you need to try this um you know um and ended up in i think at the end of my trip i ended up in a temple in the south of china um doing a crazy three months experience there with some monks up on a hilltop wow <laughs> yeah wow. that was it was quite an experience. Um, so they were my martial arts. That was kind of like the start of my martial art phase. Um, it all started out in China. And then when I got back to England, I found um, a really good MMA coach yep. um, who I worked with for a couple of years. Um, I did one-on-one sessions with him for about two years. Um, and that kind of cemented my martial arts training. Yeah. You yeah. just kept it ongoing or is it just in the in the locker ready kind of in the locker yeah I never at one point I was considering kind of getting really serious with it and starting to actually compete and fight but 
yeah, I kind of decided against that in the end. Um, and I just like to use it as a training tool. It's a great skill to have. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those physical disciplines that's just, yeah, it's priceless. It's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, ha- yeah. And it's come, yeah, it's come, it's come in handy so much. Um, and then to make it more relevant for the film industry, there's lots of different courses that are available for people who um, are in, involved in the stunt world and in the the martial arts scene for, for films. You kind of do these um, fighting for screen courses. There's yeah. a few different organisations that do them because it's very different fighting for film than it is just general martial arts. It's, it's a completely different ball game completely. Um, so you have to kind of relearn how to fight for screen. Um, so I've done uh, a, several of those kind of courses as well. Sure. Talk to me about yeah. the monks. I'm interested. The monks. Yeah. Oh, they're an interesting bunch. Um, have you ever been to China? Uh, only stopped over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So didn't leave the airport. I was stuck uh, for nine hours on a delay on the way to Australia. Where were you stuck? Which which city? Uh, Gingshuang, Gingshuang Airport. You just made that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really bad. Um, it was East China, far east, northern East China. Yeah, that's about as, as good as I got. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get out of the airport. So. Yeah. Um. um I've been to a few temples though. I've been to some temples in the Himalayas, okay, uh, yeah, and I've been to some temples in Japan. So I kind of get what's going on. Yeah. But what did, what were you doing? So, were you doing a silent retreat? Were you doing? I've done a few. I've done a couple of silent retreats. Yeah. God, that's another kind of different chapter altogether. Like uh, the Vipassana retreats. So those kind of monks were very, very different from the fighting kung fu monks. Yeah. Um, who are kind of crazy in a good way like like, i like crazy people i can get down with crazy people they're on my they're on my wavelength Uh, (laughs) um they're not what you would expect um they're not your typical kind of in china anyway they're not because in china the main it's not really religion, but the main kind of way of living is, is the, is the Tao. Yeah. Taoism. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's their form of Buddhism. Um, and it's very different to Buddhism. It's, um, it's a bit more stoic. It's a bit more practical. It's a bit more, Oh, check you out. There you go. Eating. Nice. Have you, have you read it or do you just have it for, uh... <laughs> just for photos? <laughs> no yeah i've read some of it it's like with all my books i read bits put them down read other bits yeah. put them down yeah. um because i just don't have the capacity to to read the read it all unfortunately <laughs> it just takes too long it takes so long but i'm dyslexic as well so reading is quite difficult and especially small font like okay. just knackers me out so you can get you can get large font versions of stuff, can't you? Yeah, I know, but then that's space. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I use a Kindle. Like, I use a Kindle. I read Arnie's autobiography when I was on holiday on the Kindle, and that's good because yeah. you just whiz through it. Because you. But anyway, we've uh, digressed. So 
so Taoist monks. So the Taoist monks are, um, yeah, they're a they're a hoot. Yeah, they're actually, they're actually a, r- a real good laugh. Yeah, um, they're crazy as they're just they're, they're nuts, but in a very grounded kind of way. They work, you know, they work really hard. Um, they worked me really hard. Like our day was kind of as you would as you would imagine. The gongs would go at like four in the morning. We'd get up and we'd run for like an hour and a half. Um, get back, meditate, um, eat a meal, very simple meals, um, train for like three or four hours, go back to your room, eat a very simple meal. It was quite, it was a very um, ascetic, well, yeah, kind of basic way of living, um, yeah. very grounding, a great experience, um, taught me a lot. Um, it can take you to some uh dark places which i think all of these processes can yeah similar to the kind of silent retreats that i've done um but obviously you're doing something very physical so it's it's taking you a different route to get there but i think at the end of the day it always brings you back to kind of a a journey of without getting too hippy dippy self-discovery which is all yeah 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 it's what it's all about yeah um yeah i learned a lot from them characters (laughs) well yeah there's a huge you say that like self-discovery and stuff but there's a huge association with trauma and realization and that's like i was listening to russell brand's podcast and he had the guy from headspace on and he was talking all about like he did a two-year silent retreat and it just yeah it just it just became it just becomes psychological warfare so like you say in any way that you get there yeah it's going to create some some period and I think everyone imagines it to be sort of a, an, an epiphany moment but it's a long arduous journey of reflection which yes. is very the same in any sort of training process or anything process driven exactly. um, so so you you said that you've done quite a lot of traveling um how much of that's been just off your own back is it just I mean I've got a, um, a map of the world on my door and I pin wherever I go, and you realise every time you walk past it how small you you are in relation to the world. Is it just a a thing, just travelling as you, or what? Um, I love it. Like I said, I think travelling has been my main form of education. Um, I kind of dropped out of formal education uh, um, quite abruptly, quite young, before I'd finished anything proper. Um, and I think traveling has been my main form of education. I've probably done through, I'd say three or four big long, like, you know, 18 months to two year trips. Um, and I like to use my time away. I've always used my time away to learn something, to do something new, to learn something new. Um, it's not a kind of, Pacific cases and you know yeah and sit on a beach and like I just I, I don't like that kind of traveling I'm not interested in it um I'm a, it's probably the workaholic in me I like to go away and I like to I'm practical I need to I need <laughs> to stuff. use this time and I yeah. need to do something um good with it and that's what I've always done with my traveling um my first traveling experience probably wasn't that I was backpacking around Australia I did that which was, you know, you kind of do that, get that out of your Drunk system. Drunk goon in the Gold Coast. And... 
yeah yeah all of that yeah all of that stuff backpackers buses up the east coast uh they have a good time they do something for you as well but yeah that was kind of i got that out of my system quite early and then um started i think even in my early 20s i was doing travel for personal development yeah um and so going to china was definitely one of those trips um and then my time in thailand also that's where i actually picked up the yoga side of things because i'm also a qualified yoga teacher yeah um I ended up staying with um, an American. I found a, a very interesting American expat who was living up in Pai, which is in the uh, north of Thailand. Yeah. Um, and he'd been over there probably about 10 years. And I stayed with him for about th- three months. Uh-huh. Um, just working one-on-one again, doing the yoga. And that's when I really got into my yoga. And off the back of that... Um, it was actually two or three years after I'd stayed with him. I returned to Thailand and did my yoga teacher training in, um, in Koh Samui. Nice. Um, I'm trying to get my timelines right now. Cause I can't, I'm trying to remember when that was probably about eight, seven or eight years ago now, maybe I get so, I've done so much travel. I've done so much. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I can never remember when I did it all. Um, so you can yeah, just formalise some sort of structure just for this and then it doesn't matter if it survived. <laughs> no, just, exactly. You get all the pieces in. Yeah, I've done it. I can't remember the timeline. It doesn't really matter, but along the, I've done these things along the way. Um, yeah. So that was another kind of leg to my journey um, and I really went hot. So when I do something, I do something. So I kind of went hard down that yoga meditation uh, yeah. kind of uh, branch and that's also when I did my Vipassana meditation retreats which are the silent retreats Um, nothing like a two-year retreat but i did two 10-day silent retreats yeah um and they were very deeply affecting as well uh not so much during the retreat you you'd go through a certain cycle during the 10 days yeah which 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 you obviously will you're in yeah when you when we do when we say a 10 day silent retreat you have nothing your phone is taken away from you you have no books you know there's no there's no pens there's no paper you don't listen to me there's no music you are completely deprived of all sensory experiences it's nothing it's just you but you're in this situation with like a hundred other people so it's 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 a strange one um so you're kind of eating your meals and you're meditating and you're doing all these things with these other people, but there's zero communication between anybody. Um, and during the 10 days, you go through a very personal cycle, like I said, but it's not until I think after the retreat and when you re-enter the real world, yeah. um, does it really like hit what, what you've been through and that's when your brain suddenly starts to kind of going into this mad crazy process and after my first one i i went through a bit of a rough patch yeah i'm not surprised yeah i think it was a it was a good two or three months of proper like what the fuck is this all about like proper questioning everything like questioning life going to some like i said going to some dark places like what is this all about um 
why do we do it what's the point um but then you work through that as well yeah because um, yeah. because you do because you have to <laughs> yeah of course of course <laughs> so it's, it's like those silent retreats like really intrigue me something that like scares me a lot scares yeah. me a lot but it's something that um i think i would f- would l- believe that i could find place to do at some point um you should you really should because i mean like even the removal from certain societies so like for instance when i when i was in nepal yeah. and didn't see a car for 15 days um couldn't turn electricity on at the wall for the same amount of time didn't have a heater didn't you know the appreciation of anything that was carried was carried by hand like mm-hmm. and there's we went to a snooker hall at 5,000 meters above sea level which had three full-size snooker tables in <laughs> so just the the removal from this culture and being thrown into that culture and seeing how happy these people can be coming yeah. back from that as well was a huge shock so it's like for me my like like being able to process that and then go again to no communication in a place like that would just be i think it'd be very hard but yeah. very intriguing yeah you should definitely try you want to space out these experiences you don't want to like do yeah. too much at once because it can blow your mind <laughs> yeah. and you do need you do need time to process it and work through it and i think you need to be at a certain point in your life to even be able to contemplate doing something like that as well like i wouldn't i i talk about it to certain people and yeah. there are some people that i wouldn't recommend it to or would say they're not ready for it I think you do need to be at a certain point and reach a certain point of your own personal journey to be ready for it and be be able to even do it. Yeah. Um, without losing, you know, going a bit off. Losing everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fine. So that's pretty cool. It's an, it's quite a nice experience to have, I think. I think. Well I can't say I've not done it yet. Um so like so that's quite an extensive background. Um, it's quite interesting because being involved in a perceivably very superficial industry, such as like the movies, and we can get into that sort of stuff soon, but I'm, I'm a bit more interested in some other aspects of it. Do you find that your past has made you successful? Because being able to, obviously you've been through those experiences of the travel, the silent retreat, all those processes of, of exhaustive reflection. Yeah. Do you think that helps? Completely, yeah. Um, I can, it's how to put it into words, kind of the, the what it gives you and the feeling it gives you and the, 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 the things it gives you. Um, like I definitely, when I came back from those experiences and I first went back onto, onto a set, yeah. my first reaction was the fucking, what, what are we doing? Like, really, what is the point? What yeah. is the point? This is all like, this is, this is pointless. This is all again. This is 
what am I doing? But then you could you can say that about anything in life. Like you yeah. really can. You can apply that to anything. You can be like, well, what's the point of that? What's the point in anything? So as long as you're I'm starting to question it again now. Yeah. Why am I to, why am I in this industry? <laughs> do you do you think because this is the way I, I've sort of processed and, and put a few things like that, is that what you do when you have, uh, such as like, for me, professional sports team that you work for, um, or something that, you know, a lot of people will assign themselves to, to create meaning for themselves, mm-hmm. when in reality, once you've had sort of those types of experiences, where you actually those things lend themselves to you rather than you lend yourself to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So where um, where a lot of people take pride in, in like the team that they work for and they believe that because they work for a certain team, they have a certain elevation of stature, social hierarchy or, yeah, in, in these um, subsets. Whereas... What you can actually do is, is through those sorts of experiences, is, is kind of like rationalise those yeah. places and, and these yeah. people that, that it's like I'm the dog's bollocks. I, I work for, for for whoever, and it's yeah. well, well in the reality of it is you're actually you're a lesser person because that gives you everything. Yeah. No, exactly. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it yeah it gives you a perspective on on things and people and what they're doing and your place in it all completely. And then I get I and I guess that's why within the, within the industry I've turned to a more. So what I'm doing now is training actors yeah. and helping actors get into um, shape for their roles. Um, and I think it's a more it's a more serving it's coming from it's coming from a different place it's coming from something that's probably more suitable for me i like helping people i like doing things for people i want to you know i want to teach them yoga i want to teach them to know their bodies better to um be able to perform better to do their work better um and i guess that's why i've gradually kind of flown through the different roles that i have and this is kind of where I've now ended up and it feels much more me. I kind of feel like, ah, actually, yeah, this is where I, this is, I feel more at home here. This, this is my part in it all. Um, whereas before I was a bit kind of trying a bit of everything, trying a bit of this, well, maybe I could do that. Even at, you know, at some points I've even tried performing myself and done the acting thing and it didn't, it didn't sit right. It didn't feel right. It wasn't me. Whereas now I feel like I've kind of come round and found this little pocket which um, completely suits me, suits my experience, suits my background uh, and brings together all of these things that I've done, which I was never, whilst I was doing them, I was always a bit like, mm, I'm not quite sure where this is going or why I'm doing it. Um but eventually it does all it does all come together and it has all come together and that's what's kind of led me to where I am now what I'm doing now mm. uh, yeah I think like I find because like what you do obviously you're helping people 
get better at what they what they do what they want to do is a very giving place yeah. you just give and give and give and give and give and that's kind of like I think probably why you may travel a lot now as well because you just have to decompress you have to like take <laughs> you have to take time for yourself where it's, yeah. it's like people that can't you know I'm I had a podcast with a guy uh, a few weeks ago who's the head strength coach for the Arizona Cardinals been coaching in the NFL for 38 years or any collegiate American wow. football and I said to him it's like he's like I'm completely sympathetic driven like I'm on, I'm on and that's it and I was like well I'm I'm a big believer in that you've got to be able to turn it off as quick as you can turn it on. Exactly. Oh, you go crazy. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm 60 odd and I still haven't figured that out. So <laughs> like, is it for me, I think that's a real fine art to have in, in, in what you do. Cause you must have long set days, right? Oh yeah. Horrible long set. Yeah. Really, really long set days. Crazy oh. days. Like you get up at, you'll be up at four in the morning and you might not get home some days till 10, 11, um, and you'll be doing that six days a week for months on end. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so with that, like, what, um, so I know a few of the films that you've been on, but what films have you been on? <laughs> what films have you been on? Just look at my IMDb. It's all no, I'm not going on that. <laughs> uh okay so let's go let's run backwards let's go rewind the very latest film yeah. um that we've just finished is aladdin nice um and that so that's directed by guy ritchie when yeah. i first heard that i was like what <laughs> yeah but actually it it works really well like and and this is how he's explained it if you think about all of guy ritchie's films he's very much about kind of um street rats yeah uh kind of scoundrels that you know do good mm-hmm. and do well and rise above uh their their humbling beginnings and and make good of it did you uh, listen to him on joe rogan i did i did yeah. yes Very yeah good. i think that was good. the first yeah because when i first found joe rogan um that was probably the first podcast i listened to because i was working on the film at the time so yeah, yeah it makes sense to listen to that yeah um so aladdin we've just finished aladdin that won't be out until when will that come out? 2019. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, we get there's heat. It's ridiculous. The the post production now. It's just the nature of the kind of films uh, that we that we make now. It's all action. It's all there's a lot of CGI, obviously. Yeah. So you get these kind of long lag times between wrapping and them actually coming out. It was the same with King Arthur. I think there was yeah. two years yeah. between wrapping on that and that actually coming out. So. That was another guy, Richie, from that I worked on. So Aladdin, King Arthur. Um, between those two, I worked on Justice League. Nice. Um, I was actually performing on that one, one of the Amazon, one of Wonder Woman's Amazonians. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting experience. Yeah. Uh, very different to work on a film which was uh, just female-led. Um, yeah. Well, our part was anyway there was a, an amazing group of amazonians that they got together probably about 30 or 40 of us yeah um wasn't brooke we, Entz on that was who brooke Entz across brooke Entz. she was yes yeah, yeah. um we were kind of in a separate group to her there was she i think she had more of a featured role in the film yeah. uh, whereas we were kind of like more of the kind of 
Amazonians for Wonder Woman, the background Amazonians. Um, but we went we went through an interesting process to get ready for that film. They 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 wanted a certain look. Um, I mean, we were picked already because we were all very fit and very capable yeah. physically, but they also wanted a certain look and a certain attitude from us. So we went through like a two month boot camp. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and they they didn't go lightly on us. They <laughs> they went. <in. laughs> um, but it was a great. It was a really good bonding experience. You had an amazing group of girls, um, many of which I'm still really good friends with now. Um, and they beasted us basically for two months and it was a great bonding experience. It was a great personal experience for my training. Um, it actually elevated even my training, um, to like we were doing a very different style of training that I would normally usually do by myself. So it was, it was interesting. It was great to change things up for that. Um, and then the actual, uh, shooting of the film, it's, it's probably less exciting than the training, but actually, <laughs> the usual kind of you spend a lot of time when you actually start shooting. Yeah, you, you, there's a lot of downtime. It's yeah. just it's the nature of film. It's the unglamorous side of things, <laughs> which is probably why you enjoy coaching now. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, then I don't have. To, I don't have to sit around on set all day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've done that. I've done yeah. that for years. It's actually nice not having to do that. <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned a couple of films that you've that been in, been involved in. There, where? Um, so, what roles have you been like? So, so when have you started? We will get to the coaching and training side of things. Like, what are the films that you've been training actors on? Now, um, so. Aladdin was um, the, pretty much the first one that I've done that one actually. Yeah. So I was, I was training the leads for that one. Um, so a, a guy called Mina Masood. Uh-huh. He's a Canadian actor of Egyptian descent. Um, and he booked the role of Aladdin. And um, Naomi Scott, who's an English actress um, with Indian descent, uh-huh. she booked the role of Jasmine. So I was training those two guys for their oh, wow. perspective oh, wow. roles. Yeah. Um, and they were they were incredible to work with because they're they're kind of both mid twenties, yeah. Um, and they they're established actors, yeah. But this is probably both their biggest roles to date. Um, and it was really nice working with younger, shall we say, less jaded, less. <laughs> you know, I, I've come across a few kind of more worked cynical actors on yeah. my journey okay. and and they were very refreshing they were very you know they were very energized they were very positive and yeah easy um, to work with easy to work with let's yeah. say yeah let's put it that way yeah <laughs> refreshing <laughs> no, good good yeah yeah so no they were they it was kind of a dream job really um it made my life a lot a hell of a lot easier like i i wasn't battling uh, with divas and I was working with people who really wanted to be there and wanted to to do the job so yeah it was a, it was a great everyone who works on that film is just like this is amazing huh. we were in Agrabah every day and the sun was shining and we had Will Smith um so he plays who, the genie doesn't he he plays the genie yeah. and oh like what a guy that energy that I can't say enough good things about Will Smith and everybody would say the same like 
he's exceptional. He is exceptional. Because he's so, blown up on social media massively recently. Yeah, like he wasn't, I think whilst we were filming, yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't even on Instagram. He wasn't even on social media. Um, and I'm sure it's something Disney have kind of, it's a road that Disney have probably led him down to yeah. say he, you know, probably be a good idea if you get on social media, Will. Um, Make us money. Like, <laughs> exactly he's taken it and he's yeah. he's run with it like he's blown up he's 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 bloody good at it i tell i i know his um his i didn't train will smith yeah he's his own trainer called aaron uh-huh. who's an australian who he's been working with for probably about three or four years now okay um so aaron was looking after will for the film and i think aaron does a lot of the background like they're, they're great mates obviously yeah. and i think aaron does a lot of the background work for his socials so i think okay yeah aaron's probably the unsung hero <laughs> in all of that so give aaron a big up <laughs> yeah. so with, with these two with these two um to um aladdin and jasmine um yeah. do so what was their training like? What, what was their, so what was their schedule like? Because it's quite interesting to look at it from, I'll look at training from a professional rugby player or track athlete or whatever that has to compete on the weekend. Like how yep. does this, how does, what's the difference? Okay, so we had, um, we didn't have long to prep them. They cast really late in the day, so they didn't actually confirm the actors until six weeks before we started shooting. So I only really had six weeks and the the brief I was given was different for each of them um Mina needed to beef up a little bit um and um Jasmine needed uh how do I say it um she just needed uh a a, a different a different look to what she had (laughs) um so, but I only had six weeks with them, um, and we had the six weeks of prep. But they had to do quite. They, they were juggling a lot of different things during that six weeks. It's a musical. It's a big musical film. So there's lots of singing. There's lots of dancing. Um, so they were both go. You know, their days were absolutely packed. They were going from from me to singing coaches to dancing coaches to stunt training to you know learning how to play utes to to doing all sorts of things so it was busy um but we basically i had them each day um i'd get them for two or i'd get about two or three hours with them each day you can do a lot you can do a hell of a lot in two or three hours so it wasn't like yeah i wasn't i wasn't short of time with them um, but you, you know, I had to kind of pace them. Um, but we only had six weeks, so it still needs to be intense enough to make, um, to make the difference in six weeks. And then we carried on once we started shooting, we probably had a, it was a six month shoot. So I carried on, we carried on the training. And then once we started shooting, the training had to work around the shoot schedule. So sometimes we'd be training that, you know, 5am in the morning sometimes we'll be training at 9pm at night it's one of those things you have to you have to be flexible you have to I had to be very flexible with my day um, and and work around the filming schedule but we got it done we got the job done 
Sound doesn't. To be honest, doesn't sound too dissimilar from professional sport. If I'm honest, uh, apart from the long days, the players don't want to fucking be there. Um, they want late starts, early finishes, very French. Um, <laughs> but no, so I mean, you know, like a typical pre-season in rugby would be about six weeks. Okay. Um, oh, that's short. I thought you'd have longer. No, it would be about six weeks before you go into your pre-season games. Um, I think last year we had five weeks on a week off and three preseason games then we're into the season so it's um under the pump to get the job done and i mean like especially the, the because the training that you'd be dealing with would be like from my understanding would be very aesthetic because of the camera but then also yeah. i like for some roles you like for the um Justice League and stuff like that, like you'd have to train with certain athletic principles in mind. Like people have to run, jump, sprint, you know, yeah. fight. So yeah. I mean, with the, with your training with the the two from Aladdin, did you have to pay any consideration to that sort of stuff? Um, not so much. It was it was definitely more aesthetics yeah. uh, for Aladdin. Um, Naomi has a background in dance, so her movement was really good. Um, yeah. Didn't need to do so much of that with her. Mina, on the other hand, uh, his background isn't physical, so we needed to play, a, you know, we needed to work a bit more on his general movement. So, yeah. I mean, he wasn't just working with me, he was working with a really great choreographer as well, um, Jamal, who was fantastic. So, you know, he was getting. Um, he was getting a lot of information thrown yeah. at him from, from different people. Um, but it the training that I was doing was definitely more aesthetics based because they also had stunt people working with them. They had dance people working with them. So um, my job was to get them looking good for camera. But then I, I like to go above and beyond. So I, you know, I, I did, I did more. I did, I, I did extra with them. Um, I like to bring in, I like to bring in yoga training with people. Um, it complements uh, strength training really, yeah. really nice. Um, so I obviously bring that to the to the game as well. Um, yeah, I'd always I'd always do as much as I can to help who, whoever I'm working with. It's yeah. cool. That's cool. And I mean, like, so in terms of the like the way that you program it, did you? use like conventional splits or did you have to do full body like days because of the total work that they were doing or you know what's the detail like we had to again it all had to be quite flexible and it had to be quite flowing and with Mina we definitely started off on a very um kind of standard it was a bodybuilding split yeah because I need, I need he's vegan as well oh. so it was you know <laughs> that face that was my face <laughs> oh bless him he wasn't one of these militant vegans though so it's fine no. cultist vegan I, I uh what's that what's that film uh the documentary about meat that went up oh uh, the netflix one yeah you know, i and can't I, even bring i can't even bring myself to watch it i don't i don't even want to go there yeah i i, I put a post about it saying it's the biggest load of shit and then I got attacked by about 20 vegan like cult vegans and it I'm was not, like I'm not surprised no, I'm not surprised so, <laughs> anyway we won't give them any more attention no um, so cool. that was 
part of the deal that was part of what I had to work around so kind of putting mass on someone in a short space of time who's uh, who's has a plant-based diet yeah um yeah yeah, it, it it was work it was it was work um on my part and on his part but to be fair he completely you know he rose to the game and he he put the work in. Um, I think I recently posted um, a transformation picture on my Instagram, which showed how much uh, mass I managed to put on him in that short space of time. So I was really proud of what he did. Um, but yeah, we st- we did a very conventional, uh, we needed to keep it quite simple. I needed to keep them injury. F- I mean, at the f- forefront of all of this was keep them injury free. Yeah. They're the stars of the film. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't fuck them up. Yeah. <laughs> like, they need to be able to do their job. Um, you know. So just, just train them safely. We had a really, we had a good physio on board as well, who was helping us out, um, in case any injuries came up. But yeah, we were good. We kept them injury free, um, and got them looking how they needed to look for the film. So yeah. You know, again, it's very transferable. Like. You, obviously you don't hurt you don't hurt your players obviously yeah. do no harm <laughs> and and also like you only give them what they need yeah not like not what you want to entertain yourself with or you know it's like I heard someone was listening to a podcast today about sprinting it's like you can't um what is it you can't do you can always do more tomorrow but you can't do less yesterday yeah that's a good quote. I like that. Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice and just putting that into perspective. And I guess um, with Aladdin, very novice trainer, mm-hmm. you know, you're going back to your ABCs and getting the big bang for your buck out of everything that you're doing. So, exactly, yeah. Um, and I mean, with that, like, how, how did you train around it? And, you know, how have you trained for your competitions yeah, so it's interesting because I, um, alongside working on Aladdin, I was prepping myself for the both the British finals, which I qualified for, and the Sugar Classic. So that coincided with filming, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> prepping yourself whilst working on a on a film, um, great learning experience. Um, Don't do it. I, Pardon? Don't do it. <laughs> I'm not sure many other people would be in the same position as me, but, you know, <laughs> probably wouldn't generally advise it, no. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, I say that. I was I was in a great facility, a training facility. Yeah. Um, we had a really good training facility at the studio, at Long Cross Studio. Um, uh, so, you know, I... I came, I was doing a job, so my training kind of had to come, most people on prep, their training would be absolutely their priority, it would be the yeah. top of, of, of what they're doing at the time, um, and I was in the position of, actually my training is unfortunately the least important of everyone's training today, <laughs> so they were the, they that was the situation I was working in, but you know, I could have been... I could have made that, you know, a, a terrible thing. I could have like been, oh, woe is me. But you know, what's the what's the point in that? You have to make the best of every situation you're in. So, I got my training in when I could, 
yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, it, it, sometimes it made my day even longer. Um, but, you know, you, these things are, a sh- there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You put yourself through something and it's arduous and it's a pain in the ass um, for that amount of time that you're doing it for. But it's only for, you know, your prep is, my preps are six, eight weeks maximum. Okay. Um, I don't like to prep any longer than that. And uh, that's all, you know, it's not that long. It's not that long in the grand scheme of things. You can do anything for that amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you just, I just kind of got my head down and got the and got the work done when I could. Okay. So in, in terms of like your own training, like how, like what have you, what mistakes have you made along the way and what have you found that works for you? Oh God, all the mistakes, <laughs> all the makes, all the mistakes that everyone makes and that everyone tells you about, but I think you have to make them yourself to actually really learn, learn the lesson like anything in life. Um, ego, isn't it? It's all ego. Yeah. We all go through that. So I think my first year of training was pure ego based, um, especially because the kind of gym that I was training in, it was the body, you know, everyone's piling on the plate look how much grunty so yeah you get sucked into all of that it's very easy and I went through all of that and suffered all the injuries because of that and yeah you finally realize no my body can't take this anymore um I'm not going to put myself through that anymore um and then you yeah you reevaluate and you change your training um I guess what whilst you're prepping You've already done the hard work. The the hard work has already happened yeah. uh, during your. I don't like to call them bulk and kind phases, but it, it kind of is what it that is what it is. Um, so you've already put the grunt work in. So before I started filming, I'd already done my hard hard training. And whilst you're prepping, you're you, you, the main focus is diet at that point you've done you know you're not going to put on any more muscle mass you're just trying to maintain what you've already built so yeah. you can kind of you, you, uh, you still train hard um but it's a very different kind of training and it's more about your diet and then at that point it's more mental as well so as long yeah. as you can mentally yeah. stay in the game that's all you've got to worry about um so that i guess that's another thing that was kind of running through my mind actually i've done the hard work don't stress out too much about it your body's looking you know it's looking how it's going to look all you've got to do is now diet down yeah you know your cardio your diet all of those things and now the emphasis so you know it it could be worked around it wasn't that difficult okay cool so uh, like what would be like a sample lower body that you would do that you that works for you um, what did so you do I'll, this week? What did you do this week? What did I do this week? I did three lower body sessions this week. Um, nice. I I'm also working around. I don't know if, if if I've told you this before, but do you know about myovascular necrosis? Yes. Yeah, I think we've discussed it before. Yes. My my hip issues. Yes. So yeah, a couple of years ago, I was kind of getting this hip pain. Um, specifically in my left hip and I went through all kind of different diagnostics and eventually had um, the MRI where they inject the the arthrogram yes that thing Um, 
and it showed up a nice hole in the articular cartilage on top of the uh, between the femur and the in the ball joint. So there's a nice big hole in that joint there, which at one point was giving me some serious jip, like to the point where even sitting down, like it was, yeah. it was painful. <laughs> it was really painful. And I was actually booked in for a hip replacement. Yeah. Um, and a week before the hip replacement, I, I don't know, it was one last, I went to see um, an osteopath that had been recommended to me. Um, and everyone else who I'd seen prior to this osteopath was like, yeah, you've got to have hip replacement. Yeah. Like, you've got no other. I'd heard from so many different consultants and surgeons, this is your only option. We can't do anything else for you. Have a hip replacement. Uh, so I was like, I was, I'd kind of resigned myself to it and had gotten my head around it. Um, but then I went to see this one last guy, osteopath, about a week before I was due to have the operation, and he said, don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. You don't need to. The surgeons and consultants don't understand athletes. Yeah. They only, they, they only really work with, you know, Joe Public. They don't understand the capabilities of athletes yeah. and, and how you can actually – what you can do with your body, how you'll be able to rehab yourself. And, you know, th th there are ways around this. You can work around this. Um, and let's try it. Let's do it. Don't go for the operation. So I didn't. Um, and it took, I've had to completely change how I train my lower body around the condition, yeah. um, which at first was like as just as just frustrating as hell it's like injuries are and then eventually you figure it out and you figure out ways to work around things um and again i think it's a really good experience to go through um i think injuries are they're not great obviously no. but they're, they're great in in what they teach you yeah and it's taught me so much um so i don't go heavy i can't yeah. go heavy on my body just can't I'll break it will break my bones will break they're, they're on the verge of breaking anyway so I keep my weights fairly light still challenging and yeah. I do a lot of, I do a lot of high volume work GBT yeah. training high volume um, and I just really focus on that mind to muscle connection get my you know my brain in that muscle um, and yeah that's how I like to do my training these days yeah I suppose, you know, females do tolerate a lot more volume than men. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which is, like, often missed. A lot of, you know, women train the same as men. No, they don't. It's completely different. It know. is different. Uh, biology suggests otherwise, that the men and women are not the same. <laughs> um, so, therefore, they should be treated the same in their training. Um, so, I mean, you know... So when you're when you're prepping, because it's quite quite interesting, because you get a lot of people will talk about this, and I speak with a lot of like rugby players, etc. They they want to look a certain way, um, but then the re the reality of it is is that it's a completely different training process, um, where you know rugby players have to take collisions, and yeah, some of them would have low body fat percentages 
but you know that like for getting on stage your goal is to have uh, a reasonably low body fat percentage that makes you look like displaying everything that you need to display for your certain category yeah yeah sweet yeah um so i'm i'm well up to speed with my bodybuilding um (laughs) so like the i mean like the point that i'm I'm getting at is that how you know that is just a completely separate entity but within the same same way there's a lot of transferable lessons and it's why it's why quite it's why I was quite interested to get you on to talk about some of your training with actors, training with yourself and the way you've done it because there's so many things that apply yeah. to the sports realm. And I guess like also with the general understanding of human beings from your past, which I didn't actually know about some of that stuff, um, I think would probably make you a better coach. I think so. Yeah, age. Um, I'm at age. <laughs> With age comes experience and knowledge yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, I couldn't have done this job in my twenties. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't. I couldn't have. I just didn't have the body of experience and the body of knowledge that that I've got now to to be able to do it. Mm. Um, with the maturity and the mentality that I have. Um, and having gone through what I've been through personally as well with my own training. Um. Yeah, I just don't think I would have been able to do it in my 20s. Because there's a huge, like, do it first culture. It's like you've got to, you know, I get guys message me and, uh, about, like, I want to work for so-and-so. I want to get an internship. Like, how do I do it or what do I do? Um, because they feel like they have to do it now because if they wake up tomorrow and they haven't done it, someone else is going to do it. Yeah. The, the reality of it is is that, yeah, someone may do it, but when you get the opportunity, you want to be able to hold on to it. Exactly. So, like, and I think that's quite telling you know, when you talk about your journey to the role that you just had. You were able to hold on to that role because yeah. you were prepared to do so. Exactly, exactly. And I wouldn't have been able to do that in my 20s because I wouldn't have been ready for it. Absolutely yeah. wouldn't have been ready for it. It's only now that I... That I that I am ready mentally um, to to be able to do what I do um, in the scope that I do in the industry that I do because it brings together so many different aspects. Yeah, uh, you know, personal training in the in the film industry is very different to personal training in the out there in the in the general world. Um, yeah, it brings a whole different other host of factors into it all um you need set etiquette you need film etiquette you need to know how it all works like (laughs) you don't just roll onto a film set and like there are ways of behaving there are you need to know you know the the kinds of people that you're dealing with directors producers actors um there are you know (laughs) I was about to say there are different subspecies (laughs) yes no there are there are <laughs> there are yeah. they are like everyone is like different in different industries yeah. people are you know in rugby it's the difference between the forwards and backs they're two completely different species <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. it's true so you need to know you know you need yeah. to know this kind of stuff before you you walk on 
into the industry and and that's another thing that kind of makes me laugh when people are like hey joe i want to work in the film industry how do, how do i do it what do i do i'm yeah. like uh, yeah you don't just walk on to set like that like yeah you need grounding you need to know what you're doing you need to know who you're dealing with and what you're doing. Uh, absolutely that earn your fucking stripes like do the dogs do the dogs work first yeah um, and then you know if you prove your worth and you prove your work um, that's the only way you can make it in that industry you've, you've really got to prove yourself you know everybody wants to do it. it's a tough industry yeah. Um, yeah you have to prove yourself so just before we wrap this up there's a couple of questions that I do like to ask which are quite funny uh, which I find quite funny, traditional like icebreaker questions. Um, <laughs> I so, know. So, um, if so, if you could be or possess a superpower, what would it be? I wish it prepared me for these. No, that's why I ask you them like this. No, no preparation <laughs> needed. Superpower. Oh my. Um. a tough one that's about to fly I used to have yeah flying would be good so these questions are all about like your inner child that's what it is like they when I go back to my childhood all of my greatest dreams I dream about it a lot like oh that's a whole other subject isn't it like uh, dream um, yes. psychology behind dreams and dreams and things um, and that used to be one of my big dreams that I had as a kid. I'd always dream about being like I'd be I'd be able to fly. In why do we not have those dreams when we're adults? Like what happens? Do you not? No, I haven't had a flying dream like as an adult ever. Well, only well, as a child. Well, that's subconscious, isn't it? Yeah, maybe I've. Oh, I don't know. I hope it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe I've achieved what I've needed to achieve, and that's like or become incredibly cynical. <laughs> <laughs> jaded yeah that's probably <laughs> um, okay so next question next question if so if you could go back in time uh, and speak to one person who would it be and what would you ask them so any public figurehead like someone before uh, said he'd like to go back and uh, speak to his granddad so like who would it who would it be <sighs> No, it's going to sound like I'm just saying that now because you said it. Oh, no. But, Your granddad. <laughs> but there's a bit more to it than that. Yeah. Um, my grandma, so yeah. my mother's mother, Yeah. Um, not only not only did I not know her for long enough, Yeah. I also couldn't speak to her because of a language barrier. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so she spoke Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my mother, she actually speaks Cantonese. Yes. Only understands a little bit of Mandarin, but never taught me um, whilst I was growing up. Oh, that was one. That's one of the biggest like regrets, um, not having, not being brought up bilingual. Um, but I would love to be able to go back and speak to my grandma because, by the sounds of it, her life was yeah. like quite insane. Like I often wonder where because um i'm very different to my mother and my father and like my immediate family uh-huh. uh, I, i'm a bit of a kind of black black sheep in the family i've always been a bit like everyone's like oh what's she doing now like what's, what, 
where's she gone what's she up to um so I'm kind of like a black sheep and I've always wondered where does that come from and from the little tidbits that I get fed about my grandma I'm like ah now she was a a character um I would love to know her story I'd love to be able to sit down with her and and talk about her life and and what she went through growing up uh, in China in the time that she did. Yeah. And going through the experience that she went through, war. Um, yeah, all sorts of interesting tales I've heard. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. That's a very good answer. Um, oh, you stumped me now. What was the, what was the other one? Oh. You said the back two. No, no, no. Um, so, okay, this is it's, not, it's a bit of an annoying one, but I got I once got asked this question. And it's always stuck with me. If someone you were to say like, "Oh, Jonah's like a really nice girl," but what's the but? Ah, <laughs> uh, you probably should ask, You should probably ask like my friends. Like, I'm probably not the person to ask. <laughs> I don't know my butt. My butt. What's my butt? Um, but I'm I'm brutally honest. Like that's kind of something that people even love or hate about me. Yeah. Um, I'm honest too, probably to a fault sometimes. I can't help it. I'm just that. Like it's something that I deeply value in other yeah. people. Like I just um, always have. Um, it's it, and I am. I'm just. I'm brutally honest with people. I'm brutally honest with myself, mm. firstly, because um, can't be hypocrite about these things. I'm really yeah. brutally honest <laughs> with myself about stuff, and I'm really brutally honest to other people um about their shit. Um, so yeah, that's. I, I think probably people will have a few doubts. <laughs> okay. Sorry, okay so i literally i just before we wrap it up uh thank you very much for coming on sports talks today it's been good fun uh that was over an hour so goes quick doesn't it um yeah there's uh where is it i'll send you a link to a book um that talks about how conversations can be a mindfulness activity um which is very true, which I find these to be very helpful with. Um, but so tell, shout out your social media, uh, and I'll put it in the links to the show when it goes up, but just so people want to follow you on Instagram or something. Perfect, brilliant. Okay, so on Instagram, I have my handle is at Jojo Limited. So J O J O L T D, Jojo Limited, and also um, Fit for Film. Digit okay. for fit for film. They're my instas, so go and check those out. 